Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Hey, welcome back, uh, Level Up podcast audience. I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in for another episode. Greg is on location, so you're stuck with just uh, just me today. I'm Brendan Payne, I'm your co-host, and have got a great guest, Dom Santaniello, who is coming to us from Western Massachusetts. Dom, welcome to the Level Up podcast, man. Hey, thank you so much for having me out today. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to uh, to diving into uh, some of the stuff that you can share with the audience. And you've got a great story for those that, uh, you know, may not know you. Maybe just kind of give us a little bit of history. And, um, you know, you're you're newer into the business, but are making a huge splash. So how did you end up where you're at currently? Cliff note version of my story was uh, pretty much did what my parents and society told me to do growing up. Uh, did well in school, got into a good college got an engineering degree, got a master's degree, worked for an awesome Fortune 500 energy company, six-figure salary, 401k, pensions, bonus, all the trigger words for, you know, success in the corporate world. And uh, found myself extremely unhappy, you know, when everyone else thought, you know, that was uh, the dream. So ended up getting my real estate license uh, two years into working that job doing some part-time deals because my aunt was a broker at the time and uh, bought my first multifamily property because I wanted to live for free and stay, you know, pay off my student loans. And then that literally just sent me on, uh, on the journey that we're here today. So fast forward, and I have a business partner in both a real estate brokerage and a fix and flip company. Um, we're doing now on track, uh, at least 10 plus deals this year. And the next year, our target is 15, 20, just on the fix and flip. And that's not counting, uh, you know, wholesale contract sales and that sort of stuff. We're also doing the Burr strategy and, and building a rental property portfolio, which is going to hit um, the 25 unit mark of this year for bird stabilized properties. And the last thing is the real estate brokerage um, running in parallel with that. We're actually onboarding our 15th agent today. And both of those businesses have been probably 18 months old uh, at max with branding and everything behind it. So a lot going on and uh, just excited to share my story of how I, you know, broke out of the corporate mold and was able to, uh, you know, let a six figure salary go and, and build a bigger one on the side. That's awesome. So, so a couple of things here, and um, I want to definitely dig into how you made that transition because I know there's a lot of people right now that may, maybe you know somebody in the business as a real estate professional right now who is trying to figure out like how do I get out of this job that I don't like anymore? And I think you're going to get some some good tips here on on how to actually engineer that. But going back to you were working corporate world and you started doing some deals. Were you doing deals like retail sales, like general brokerage, or you ended up buying a couple of things. So I was doing everything. I was, uh, you know, running around with buyers, mostly friends and family buying single family homes and then mm-hmm. rental properties. Um, and then actually had a, the biggest deal that I kind of got by accident that kind of changed my life was meeting, you know, an individual who wanted to retire and sell a rental property. And after building a little bit of rapport and talking, turns out he had, um, 
I think 28, yeah, 28 units all paid in cash and wanted to sell everything. So Mm -hmm. I ended up pretty much at the time being pretty green in that space and going to local RIA meetups and Facebook groups and that sort of stuff and was able to produce a, like a legitimate buyer for that. So now I was kind of like double, double siding the deal, if you will. And instead of taking a commission payout on the deal, I -hmm. took an owner finance property from there. So got a property, hundred percent owner finance, less than 50% of market value, um, (laughs) saved the seller money because he would have, you know, paid taxes and all this stuff. So we did a little bit of uh, installment payment strategy there and ultimately was a win, win, win. And, um, you know, was able to take that property, go refinance it, pull a ton of cash out, still have a double digit cap rate. And then, you know, have now a six figure war chest of capital, uh, you know, to redeploy when, you know, before that had basically scrounged off enough money to buy just a owner occupied, you know, FHA duplex. So that was really what started making me think, you know, I was able to put that together just with my math and finance, you know, put it all in the spreadsheet, make it make sense, sell the deal. And when I did that, I was like, heck, I almost made one year's salary with the strike of a pen. And it just, it sent me down the, down the rabbit hole with, you know, researching and, and just loving real estate. That's, that's awesome. So you, you probably not the most traditional path for your first two or three deals, but a very effective one, no doubt. And I can imagine, I mean, yep. I left, left the corporate world too. And, and once I, once I could see that there was no longer like there was something besides going, all right, if I perform well, I'm going to get this cost of living increase and maybe I've got this bonus potential and then you're maxed out. Once I realized like there's ways you could make half your salary in a deal or two, that was the same thing. So tell us tell us a little bit about you're in the corporate world. You've done a couple of deals. You've got some, um, you got family in the business. What what did you do to kind of actually get a plan to get out of the of the business? Because everybody wants to do this, but there's that fear of, you know, is it going to work? How did you overcome that and actually make the jump? Yeah. So, I mean, being, you know, an engineer type A kind of person, it was it was very planned. And like my number one pet peeve, I guess, from like the social media influencers and in all this space is the you know, just quit your job, jump right in, you know, take action, commit. Like if I did this without a plan, I would, I would be applying for jobs right now. So it was, uh, you know, basically worked backwards and figured out how much do I need monthly coming in to live my lifestyle I want. Um, and basically the tool I used was rental property. So the classic house hack at first, you know, you buy three and a half percent down owner occupy that second deal. I was zero down, you know, then positive with basically money from closing it after the refi and then really was just focused on buying rental properties that would supplement that monthly income and then obviously with that it's uh it's interesting when you really dive into the numbers like living off rental property versus w2 with all just like the taxes taken out and like all those other things you're able to really make less but take home more Mm -hmm. Um, with passive income. And then at the same time, I also had uh, sales goals. So, you know, had the rental properties, had the transactional uh, deals going on every year. You know, I think even working full-time the first year I did like three. And then every year after that, I was always doing 10 plus deals. So between that and then the passive income, 
I hit a point where I was kind of losing money holding on to the fixed salary, which is where we are today because, you know, 40 hours a week was committed to that. And then I always call it second shift, you know, get out of work early and then I'm running around with buyers or I'm on the computer up late. And then now it's just living in it real time, like with full focus and commitment on that goal is making it a lot easier. But to truly answer your question, like you have to define and work backwards so what do you need to actually quit is step one. If you're making a hundred grand a year, I mean, that comes out to like five grand a month, roughly like after 401 taxes, insurance, all that stuff. So for easy numbers, I mean, at that time I was pretty much, you know, in that wheelhouse just on W2. And I was like, how do I make five grand a month? I could easily, if I live in a duplex and can make five grand a month, I could live the same life and work for myself. And then I'm like, okay, uh, that's like, and then the next topic we'll talk about is, uh, you know, door count versus net, you know, profit on rental properties is kind of that. So I was looking less at like, I need 50 doors versus I need, you know, net profit per door of 500 bucks. And then that made me looking at a little nicer property, which are lower touch and end up being higher yields. So that was kind of like, it's not a secret, just something that takes a long time. So I get the question every day. I mean, people are DMing me or Facebook messaging, calling like, hey, I want to quit my job. And then they're like, well, well, what do I do? And it's like, you need to literally make your plan. And then now I can help you if you say, hey, I need X, Y, or Z can tell you basically how to do that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a cornerstone of success in this business once you're already an agent or growth for that matter and it's also the recipe for making that switch which is just it's pure being a business person and knowing your numbers so yep. when we've get you know if there's a fear that you've got about jumping um ship and saying all right i'm going to go ahead and i'm going to make this investment in my business or i'm going to leave my career and get into a hundred percent commission job the fear doesn't come from making the move. The fear comes from not understanding what you have to do to be successful. So right. if, you, if you can reverse engineer from this is what I need to live, and then here's how many deals I have to do, whatever, if it's a retail deal, a, a wholesale, a fix and flip, I have to do this X amount of deals and then figure out what are my activities that I got to get up and do every day to make those deals happen. You've got the answer there. Then it's just right. get up and go do the activities. So that that's a that that's a difference maker from there's a lot of agents in this industry right now that don't know their numbers and struggle with how to grow. And that's the key right there. Yeah. And I, I equate it to it's almost like I forget where I recently heard this. It's like going to the gym. I mean, if I ask you how to how do I get in really good shape? And it's like I could tell you, but what you actually have to do is for 90 days, 120 days, literally every single day do that. And mm -hmm. for me, it was like every day I need to cold call X amount of people, right? Because it's all lead gen. Like if you get the leads coming in, you're either gonna wholesale it, sell it, make a commission, buy it, make the cash flow or whatever. So to me, right off the rip for years, lead generation has been the number one thing. And even if like, I always thought if too much stuff lands on my plate or too big a deal, I can leverage my resources and get it done. And like that, the biggest test when I literally didn't, even, I have five sales under my belt and then get a multi-million dollar transaction, you know, lands on my plate. I was very scared. Like my broker at the time didn't even really do multifamily. Everyone advised against me you know, taking that risk. Cause really what could have happened in that deal is that that end buyer could have just bought it. And then I could have got yeah. cut out of 
the deal because it was something that you couldn't really paper. It was kind of like a rapport handshake thing. So I kind of, I think I was 24 years old at the time, risk losing out on essentially a six figure, you know, income, whether it be through equity or or like a real commission. So the safe Mm -hmm. play would have been, you know, take 5% of 2 million or the risk play would have been, you know, give me that credit on this house, owner finance it. And then now I get cash flow, you know, refinance and, and, and get the ammo. So, yeah, I mean, really just, yeah. And it's, it, it's all about taking a little bit of risk in your gut and all that stuff and just taking action. So for me, just like chasing leads consistently, and that's something anyone can do. I mean, if you're working full time, you can either, you know, pay to play or you can kind of do it with sweat equity and like pick up the phone, but it's just like getting on YouTube, you can figure out how to generate leads in 15 minutes if you just look it up. So it's like same thing as the gym, we can find an amazing workout online, but we all have to go do it. And then that I think in my mind, and from what I've seen, separates all the people I surround myself with taking action, and then the people that, you know, just want to do it, but haven't done it yet. I heard a couple of things in here. One, you actually use the word resourceful. You can use your, you can be resourceful, use your resources if you had a deal that was too big. You just mentioned YouTube. For somebody that is blocked by that limited thinking, limited belief, and it's a limited belief, but let's help them understand how did you, nobody's born with this knowledge. Where did you go to figure out all the stuff that you could do and then start picking things like this makes the most sense. How were you resourceful? So, I mean, we're, we're all fortunate enough in 2021 to even as an introvert, you can pretty much have mentors virtually that you don't even talk to just by podcasts and videos and all that stuff. So for me, my objective was just financial freedom via cash flow, And my avenue to get there was selling real estate um, buying real estate and then just, you know, making lead gen and and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, really to go anywhere, like if you're a go-getter, uh, I mean, the easiest way for me from the rip was looking up all the local players that were doing essentially what I wanted to do, you know, and I've targeted people that they weren't only real estate agents. They were, you know, maybe they're an agent or a broker, but they're also, you know, a landlord or a property manager. I always like talking to those people because they're, business owners. Like it's one thing to be, you know, a real estate agent and that is like a business and then become a broker that is a business. But those other businesses have a lot of moving parts as far as like overhead and employees and risk and all that stuff. So I surrounded myself with key market participants that were doing that sort of thing. And, you know, at first was actually working for free for them. So you know, took on some consulting roles says, Hey, is, is there anything I can do on for, you know, bookkeeping for you or property management? I would love to organize all your stuff. I'm really good at that. I'm detailed, you know, master of Excel. Like how can I add value to your business for a little bit of your time? So buying coffees for people, buying, you know, drinks and dinner for people, uh, building a little bit of trust because it's, you can't expect to go up to someone and just get their time. Yeah. So that was like, I always was trying to figure out how, how can I add value to this person's like life or business very quickly and just get a little piece of like their, their mind. Yeah. So that is free. It just kind of takes, you know, a lot of reaching out and stuff. So like always doing that and then podcasts every morning, reading every night, you know, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. And really, I mean, for me, it's our, my businesses are literally what I said. It's a brokerage. We capture the transactional deals 
fix and flip, we're now making money, you know, flipping houses or flipping contracts, aka wholesaling, and then we're buying rental properties and holding them. So as far as anything real estate related, those were the three key things that we wanted to focus on. And, you know, you can target any uh, lead gen that you want and the leads that you get fall in one of those categories, multifamily to buy, multifamily to sell, single family to buy, sell, et cetera. So mm-hmm. that's kind of, we just wanted to have one lead generation machine and then whatever comes in, be able to chop it up in any of the businesses. Got it. Love it. So I think probably a traditional, you know, a traditional path of, of an agent that ends up maybe where you're at now, the path may look a little different. They come in, they do some deals, they learn the brokerage side of it, and then they have a little bit of extra money. And then they decide, you know what, I'm seeing all these potential deals. I need to take advantage of it. You're, you are going all in early. So yep. and I, I would assume based on what I know up to this point, that's by design. What do you think that that shows up as an advantage, whether it's to your to the consumer or you're growing your brokerage? How does that make sense for you and what you're trying to accomplish big picture versus going in and saying, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to do some deals, raise some capital, you know, play in the investments, you know, build the portfolio versus saying, I'm going to build all three, four of these arms at once. Yeah. So we're kind of shooting from the hip doing that now. And it seems like it's working out good. And the biggest thing, like in my mind, like we're making a lot of noise, advertising, social media, you know, all the little details, like I'm a detail freak just naturally. So this has been compounding of small details. And now we're at the point where we kind of have something to show for it. So starting at the granular level, like the name, the logo, you know, the social media, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I don't want to get off topic. So just to answer your like question of how does all that happen? I think it all, one thing always complements the other. So, um, you know, being a real estate agent helps you as an investor, being an investor has, you know, helps you as an agent and it just kind of gives you a little bit of diversity. So a great example of someone that's boots on the ground, they want to, they want to build up just as an agent and maybe one day be an investor. That was literally me. I must have shown 100 multifamily properties to friends and family before I bought my first one. And that alone, being a real estate agent, you know, getting the showings under my belt was making me a better investor at the time because I didn't even realize I was walking in the properties. I didn't even have the 50 checkbox list I was walking around with as a you know, type A engineer with my you know, pencil there anymore. When I got to showing number 100, I'm walking in and I'm looking right at the big CapEx, right at the leases, right at the utilities being separate. And I'm figuring out on my cell phone, is this a good deal? And and doing some quick division to get, you know, uh, a percentage and, and making offers on the spot. So that's why I think it's important. If you're a real estate like agent and you want to be an investor, well, being an agent will help you. And then even being an investor, you know, that happens to be an agent, which is kind of like how I describe myself. I'm a real estate, you know, investor, entrepreneur, broker in kind of that order. But, you know, I tell people as like their broker, I'm like, listen, I literally negotiate deals for a living, like for myself. Like I have a portfolio that makes money. I was able to do that myself. We're selling your single family home. Like I, there's no one better you want in your corner than me because I, I, I actually do it for myself. And that was always like a key thing I told people, you know, you can hire any agent. They're going to take, have probably have the same photographer as me. They're going to have the same MLS as I do. So 
literally the description, you know, the same person's probably writing it. And I don't think the description selling your, you know, million dollar home, it's literally me. And it's like my advantage. And I tell everyone that and all of our agents, like you guys are agents and investors and don't think the investor piece doesn't help you, uh, you know, with your residential clients, because it absolutely does. I mean, if you're being successful representing yourself, then you can represent them versus if you've never done any business or transaction, it's a very hard sell, like in the beginning to, to gain that rapport and trust and get like list, you know, listings, I think. Yeah, for sure. And that resonates with the clients. You know, there's, there's, you can get by with, you know, somebody's buying a single family home and they're an emotional buyer and that's what drives the sale. And you can be new and you can open the door and you can get them their disclosure and all that stuff and serve them at a high level. But when you're yep. going in and you're actually looking at multifamily or um, leases and properties, whether they cash flow, what's the return, um, all that stuff. If you're if if you haven't done it yourself and, and analyzed it and said, does this work for me? And how do I then peel off the layers to get the investor to say, what are your expectations? How do you want this to perform and be able to have that conversation? Then they'll yep. see through that. And you're yeah. gonna, the guy that knows those those conversations get the job every single time. Yep. No, I, I totally agree. And, you know, to kind of pivot off that point, I would say one of the things that changed my entire like paradigm at first was when I was in that that phase of the free consulting and then turned into paid consulting. Uh, I got tied up with a property owner, broker and landlord property manager basically did everything. And I was able to have an opportunity to clean up and basically at the time the pitch was, you know, let me audit your uh, property management operation, see if I can create more efficiencies. Cause in my engineering job, um, uh, efficiency compliance, and then, you know, have a financial piece. Like that's what I always did, like safety, efficiency, compliance, and then finances were like what I did in engineering. So I said, I can take that skill set to your business and see if there's anything I can help with. And right away i mean being a detail freak and looking at the numbers i noticed this individual had two separate portfolios one a low touch portfolio low cap rate portfolio um and then a high touch so like the spreadsheets made it seem like the high touch stuff was just blowing the doors off when mm -hmm. you're just looking at roi and cap rate and even if you factor in depreciation and all that good stuff the numbers just looked way better but then when i looked at the receivables it was a completely, literally looked completely different. The low touch almost always performed within five or 10% of pro forma or just, you know, expectation. The high touch just was, was just negative or break even the whole time. And that's when I really got big. And, you know, when I was meeting my business partner at the time, I said, the unit count, the door count is just, it's just not the business to be in. I mean, that's, if anything, it's just a posturing metric or, you know, a flex or, or whatever you want to call it. But yeah. looking at the low touch stuff, like you don't see where you can say, like you're saving with uh, less employees. I mean, you could basically get away with doing a hundred units low touch by yourself, like this guy was versus a hundred high touch needed uh, two full-time maintenance guys, someone in the office, like those little things. And like, you know, if you're a business owner, you have a responsibility to know your numbers, like you were saying. And if you start looking at those numbers, you're going to see that you're literally 80, 20, you're putting 80% of your time into this and making not even 20% of your profit. And that's where everything changed. And we're literally just looking at net cash flow now, not pro forma.
Yeah, that's a great uh, that's a great point. One of the things that I remember probably two years in the business when, you know, it wasn't a question anymore of being able to succeed in the business. But now it was like, OK, what other things am I going to do? What am I going to branch out? Do I want to make investments? Do I want to do other parts of this industry? One of the things that Greg taught me is you have to shift at some point. We're always talking about ROI on investments, return on your investments. It's great. But at some point, as you continue to grow and you scale your business and you want really to start building wealth, you have to start looking at your ROT, which is your return on time, because there's yeah. only so much of it. And you can choose that to the time to be you know, in a bunch of high touch properties and you feel great because you get to tell everybody how many doors you own. The problem is it doesn't allow you to go do anything else to scale. You're tapped out, stressed out. And, yep. you know, you can go and, and if cash flow, we know is king in any market, if it cash flows, who cares what happens on paper with the value, ultimately, right. then right. you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to withstand the storms and be able to scale because you can do so much more with your time. Right. And, and that you hit it right on the head too, like, you know, just being conservative, obviously we're, we're in a high market right now and, you know, things will change at some point. So appreciation isn't even a conversation when we're looking at deals. I'm assuming everything's going down 30% on a spreadsheet and preparing, you know, myself mentally for looking at updated PFSs when that happens. But the true metric is the monthly net cash flow. And just based on like our, our DCR, like, you know, debt coverage ratios and things like that, those mean a lot to me right now versus ROI. And even, you know, our commercial banking partners and, um, even private lenders, that's the biggest conversation where we get a lot of praises. You know, they're even seeing it. They're like, this is an unusual cash flow for, you know, a two family, a three family, all that stuff. And what we're really doing is just taking, uh, you know, condemned value add properties, making them, you know, I don't want to say class A, but class B plus because they're not big complexes with gyms and, you know, pools and that sort of things. There's all two to four units that are in very good areas and getting, you know, market tenants there. And we're, I mean, at the whole portfolio level now looking, we could cover debt service and expenses with less than 50% of units paying rent. So in a situation where things change like COVID and all of that, yeah. I mean, we're literally to this day have not missed one payment through all of COVID-19 scare. And then on, and our personal stuff too, from having just that business model. And I know a lot of people that we're surrounded by can't make that same claim. And, you know, when you're running at hundred bucks a door, 200 bucks a door, things go really sour quick. And then you, you have this big debt service to handle and, you know, long-term we're just looking at that net number. So we're going to slowly and methodically grow the portfolio to a position where, you know, we can pick and choose if we want to work anymore is ultimately the end game. But now we're in the uh, in the fun stage of getting it there. So absolutely, absolutely. Let me unpack a couple of things there for for those that are listening and going, man, I love it. But I, I I'm he said a couple of things I might not know what they mean. So he mentioned he's in a good position with the properties. If there was a thirty percent pullback in values, which basically means if there's a shift in the market, the stuff that you're sitting at today, the value today could go down thirty percent. And while that would suck, and you would look at your PFS personal financial statement, and there would be a lower value to your assets. It's the reality is they cash flow. So you right. would continue on exactly what it 
what the financially every month they're doing exactly the same performance, but um, top line, you, you look across the, the, the board and say, well, we've got a little bit less in value, but you're not selling them. So right. distinct difference than a lot of mentality that I see right now, which is, you know what, I got to get this net worth up to this huge number. And yeah. the net worth doesn't mean anything because it's all based off of the market value. And then the cash flow, they're spending 200 bucks a month on, a, on every door. And once that goes south and your value is gone, well, now you don't have a way out. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, that's literally it. And, and to someone who like doesn't know any of the terminology or, or the rental business, I explain it like this. You're, you know, you work for a company that's traded and there's a stock, the stock price goes down, but your salary stays the same. That's essentially how I describe what we're doing. Like our portfolio value is going to go down. It has to based on where we are in the market. So we're focused on building that salary or cash flow, if you will. And that's going to power us through the downturn and ultimately, you know, lead us to doubling and tripling in size when that downturn happens. Because right now has been the hardest time that I've seen in five years to get deals. Um, you know, we're going direct to seller now on stuff and we're competing with four or five people, half, you know, with reputable names and then the other half that somehow just got in front of the seller and is making it extremely hard to get deals. So that's where all the little details are are helping us with, you know, our brand, our social media. We have a commercial now, we're running ads, uh, you know, our Google reviews are great. And that's for both, you know, the brokerage and the home buyers. So for us, we're just trying to stand out in all things real estate and have a really clean reputation. Uh, and that brand is helping us get uh, clients, you know, buyers and sellers for our agents helping us get accepted offers, especially on multifamilies on the market, even with agents because of the name we have and our rep for being in, you know, the space and closing deals. So us kind of having, you know, a cross brand of being like, you know, cash as is buyers gives a level of, uh, I guess, validation just on like the brokerage side. Like if I write an offer, people know who we are and what we do and that we close a lot of stuff. So they're thinking, Hey, I mean, if we're getting a Naples offer, then they're probably going to close. And that's been a great residual for our, you know, our nonstop consistent, you know, marketing efforts just to get on the map, especially on the broker side, because that's, it's so hard to recruit agents and, you know, sell the dream without basically giving away, you know, all the commission or that kind of stuff. And there's, there's a lot of operating costs, you know, and it's not an extremely lucrative business until you have a huge bench of high producing agents or, you know, a ton of agents at like a unfavorable split. So it's uh, something that we're slowly building on the side, but um, we're just had to kind of even to pitch it to anyone who had to get all the best systems and that overhead is, is a lot. So we're kind of just working now on automating that and then just, you know, recruiting softly as we scale. Yeah. That that's so, I mean, you've rec <laughs> you've recognized something really early in the brokerage side of the business that um, you can sell on two things. You can sell on the value, which you're trying to build right now to the agents. And a lot of the things you're doing, I think really play into that, or you can sell on price, which is, you know, you just got to pay them 110% every deal that they do. So those are your options <laughs> on the brokerage. And I'm glad to see, I mean, you've got, uh, you've got even, even the, the, buying side, you know, the cash buyer to be able to put them in front of you as a potential buyer. That's huge for an agent that's going out and trying to compete with maybe another agent that brings in an offer from OfferPad or Knock or any of these iBuyers that are out there. That's a that's yeah. a big 
um, value proposition that you create for your agents. I like that. Yeah. And that's something, honestly, I, I, I don't want to make it sound like we, we intended for that, but it, it kind of hit us the other day. We had a brand new agent just got his license, like multifamilies on the MLS. Now it's the wild West in our market sight unseen 10 offers before the open house. That's the market. And we had a brand new green agent. First offer he wrote was, you know, for himself, cause he, he kind of likes what we're doing, you know, owner occupied investing that whole thing ends up getting an accepted offer because the agent recognized he was a Naples agent, saw that we do a ton of multifamily stuff, had actually done a deal with us in the past. We didn't even know this. He was just involved with like a deal that we did like a cash acquisition on and just had all the faith that if we were behind him and he was buying this property that he was going to close and it would go smooth. And we got that direct feedback from him, like letting us know, hey, I kind of, you know, this offer made a lot of sense and we we had a lot of confidence in your brand. And I mean, that just meant a lot to us, you know, kind of building this thing up that people are having, you know, respect and confidence in like the name. And, you know, it didn't definitely didn't happen overnight, but it's uh, mm-hmm. on, on the brokerage level. And, and I was even intrigued, you know, just kind of researching, you know, you guys before getting on this podcast on how you're really big on the brokerage side. And we're kind of looking at it now, like, how do we actually scale this thing and make it worth our time? Because if we put the same amount of time into the home buying side, I mean, we're, we're killing it on, you know, the flips and the wholesales and that sort of thing. And it's like that amount of effort on the brokerage side would not be as lucrative. So we're trying to figure out how do we keep both moving and, you know, make it worthwhile for everyone. Yeah. Well, you're, you're on the right track for sure. And you've got the, you know, you've got value at, at the top of mind. And the, the crazy thing is, is with what you're doing, it helps. It's a win all the way around. So if you have right. qualified, if you have good agents that have good opportunities in front of them, that's going to help all areas of the business that you're working on. So, um, you know, it's just a, not saying that the, you know, the 90, 95, 110% um, shops and stuff, that it's a bad business model. It's just different and right. play as well into your big picture. And um, yeah. so I think you guys are, you know, your, your position with the, with the right model for what you guys are, are wanting to do. And you, you are going to have a lot of value for your agents just in the conversations for sure. Yeah. Appreciate that. And that's, I mean, the biggest like thing, my partner, Luke and I always talk about is like, how do we provide value to the agents? And like, that's our sales pitch. And we're kind of looking at our roster of agents. And I would say 80% of them are kind of, it's, you know, under 35 years old, have interest in investing, either owning, you know, multifamilies, getting into a flip wholesaling or a combination of the three. And then just looking at our, I would say competitors in the brokerage space, you know, I'm 28 years old. My partner, Luke is 27. We're the youngest real estate brokerage. I mean, I haven't really looked into it, but just from all the, you know, reputable shops by at least close to a decade and all of those, you know, brokerages are just brokerages. So like we have this unique element where, you know, we're kind of played up as, you know, financial freedom, you know, make your own schedule work for yourself. I mean, obviously working very hard. Like, I mean, we're Monday through Sunday, there's no days off. It's, I mean, if you're an active agent, we all know that we don't have a schedule or or anything. We report to the clients who love texting us after business hours, nights and weekends and all that. So trying to just, you know, break the mold of, you know, work nine to five and, and, you know, save your money versus, you know, we invest our money. We work when we want to work and we deliver for our clients because we make our own schedules. It's kind of like our, you know, up and comer young niche in the market. And I mean, it's, 
still a case study, but I mean, where we went from calling people to now people are calling us. And just this week had two agents onboarded, uh, one green, one seasoned, uh, that reached out to us just based on our branding and, you know, social media presence, which is very rewarding just based on the grind it's taken to get it up and running. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, great stuff, Dom. I really appreciate you uh, just sharing all this stuff. And there's uh, there's a ton of good nuggets in there. So if somebody's out there and wants to, you know, whether they're in your area or just, you know, wants to pick your brain on something, what's the best way to um, try to get a hold of you? I would definitely say email um, on email 24 seven. So that would be Dom at naples-group.com. And then basically anything, I mean, on social media, if you find yourself on any, you know, website, Instagram, LinkedIn, any of that, um, our assistants basically funnel all that directly to me and my partner, Luke. So email is preferred, but if you don't remember that and just go on, you know, naplesgroup.com or Naples Homebuyers, Naples Realty Group, anything Naples, it all funnels to us. Perfect. Perfect. Well, if you got any in the uh, audience has any buyer seller referrals or deal referrals out in Western Mass, give Dom and his team a call and um, please uh, continue to uh, like and subscribe to this podcast and give us reviews. You know, whether it's a good review, bad review, it's okay. Um, we like to get the feedback and it continues to give us opportunities to get uh, really, really good up and comers like, uh, like Dom on the podcast and share the stuff that, uh, that he's willing to do. And that's, you know, that's one of the biggest uh, themes with our guests is they're all willing to contribute. So again, Dom, thank you very much for uh, being on the podcast and uh, look forward to seeing what you uh, accomplish over the next few years. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. You bet. We'll talk soon. All righty. Take care.